Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877 First of all, the collapse of that building in the Surfside is unbelievable, isn't it? It's unbelievable. And um, right on the scene, the first responders, they go right into the building. They don't know if it's going to continue collapsing because it really collapsed in two parts if you watch it. The first responders. And so tonight I'm not hearing about systemic racism among the cops. That cops target minorities. Defund the police. The cops, the firefighters, the emergency personnel, and others are on the scene to save people. To find people. Because we're red-blooded Americans, and that's what we do. Young man was walking his dog. And he heard a little boy yelling out, Do you see me? Do you see me? He had his hand uh, reaching outside the rubble. That's all that they could see. And the gentleman went over and said, I see you, I see you. And the little boy said, don't leave me. He said, I'm not going to leave you. And he didn't leave him. That's what America's all about. Unfortunately, there's other parts of America where you can see in Chicago a few days ago, a minor fender bender. And these guys get out of the car They go to the car behind them where the minor fender bender occurred. They pull out the young man and his young wife. 
He apparently jumps in front to protect his wife. He is shot in the back of the head. She's shot in the neck. The whole world has seen it. He and they run off. Wasn't a white person around, by the way. Just for the record, since apparently people keep records. Executed them. There's that too. There's also a very diabolical, tyrannical, totalitarian mindset in the media, and in some cases those who monitor the media. There was a piece in the Daily Caller the other day, it was a very strange piece, and they were very upset because some guy that has some association with Media Matters is on the board of Cumulus Media Corporation. That's the latest company that owns these radio stations on which I am syndicated, as well as many other companies, by the way, that own radio stations I'm syndicated on. I have no idea who this guy is, but apparently he's on the board. And the Daily Caller was very upset. Because Tucker, one of the founders, if not the founder of the Daily Caller, has had a campaign against him to defund his TV show and by Media Matters, which is a truly evil, diabolical organization. I'll get to them in a minute. But the piece said, look, they don't, they don't try and cut off advertising and funding to the Mark Levin show and the Dan Bongino show. I said, why are you writing this? You trying to encourage a boycott of the Mark Levin and Dan Bongino show? Is that your idea of equity? It was a bizarre piece. And coming from all places, the Daily Caller. Since that piece, you can go over to Media Matters. And you can see they've been writing two, sometimes three, whatever it is, hit jobs on me after my radio show. So they got the message. Don't just attack Tucker, attack everybody. And so last evening, I don't watch this, people send this to me. Here's two headlines from the Media Matters that took the Daily Caller's advice. Fox host Mark Levin defends the three-fifths compromise. So first of all, what I said the other day about the three-fifths compromise at the Constitutional Government had nothing to do with Fox. I didn't say it on Fox. I said it on my radio show. But they're targeting Fox and hosts on Fox. I didn't defend the three-fifths compromise, even the transcript as you read it. I explained it. I defended the effort by the North to minimize the representation by the slave states. So Media Matters turns that into me defending three-fifths compromise. Now, they don't explain it in the headline, but the headline is blaring out there. You see the point, Mr. Producer? The poisonous, cancerous insinuation is that I must support the idea that African Americans are three-fifths of a human being. It is the most disgusting, deplorable, and I've talked to my lawyers about this. I'm keeping an eye on these guys. 
And then there was another headline. Same night, last night. Fox's Mark Levin, again, from the radio show, having nothing to do with my Fox show, attacks the military and says if America were in a war, he would be amazed if we won. I didn't attack the military. I attacked specific generals and admirals and the leadership in the military. And I think I specifically said, Mr. Producer, I'm not talking about the rank and file. One of the greatest proponents and supporters of the United States military. This is how they write their headlines. And of course, what I was talking about, and I'm not going to do the show all over again. You can go to the Daily Recap on the Mark Levin Show website. Was the way Milley and the head of the Navy and the Secretary of Defense, but really the former two, were embracing a Marxist, racist ideology And it was being pushed, quite frankly, throughout the military. So that means that I hate the military. And with leadership like this, it is difficult to see how we would defeat the communist Chinese. In other words, we need real generals and admirals, not this. That was a marquee headline. Now what Media Matters does with these headlines is they push them out to the rest of the media. Mediaite which is like Media Matters, it's a front group for the radical left and Democrats, does the same thing. So it's a complete perversion and distortion. But they don't care. It's the big lie. They are the totalitarians that I say they are, that we know they are. That's exactly what they are. And they do it on behalf of the Democrat Party and the far left. I hit back. I don't roll over. It's a very important lesson to know. I told you about that time when I was a little kid, what my father told me to do with these bullies. And I did it. And it worked. I want to thank the first responders in Florida. They were constantly being berated, constantly being attacked. Cops being called racist, systemically racist, white supremacists, even when they're not all white. They are fantastic. Fantastic. And just remember this. The people who criticize them, they're nowhere near the scene to help anybody. They're not there to help. I was thinking about this today. Joe Biden has been in public office since he left law school. First the Wilmington City Council, and then the United States Senate, elected when he was 29, sworn in when he was 30. His entire life, really. Chuck Schumer goes to law school, and on the way out of law school, he gets elected to the State Assembly in New York. It's his first real job. After that, he gets elected to the House of Representatives, and then after that, he gets elected to the Senate. That's all he's ever done. Nancy Pelosi, in terms of her career, was a a progeny of a guy by the name of Phil Burton, a radical leftist Democrat. She eventually becomes head of the California Democrat Party. She decides that she 
wants to be a congressman. And so she becomes that in San Francisco. Works her way up the ladder. Becomes speaker. Her father had been mayor of Baltimore and so forth. Her brother was involved in politics and the rest. And I think to myself, what have these people ever done for this country? I'm not talking about running for office and passing laws and raising taxes. What have they done? What contribution have they made? Really? All they know is government. All they know is making laws. All they know is raising taxes. All they know is spending money. They don't know anything else. They're myopic. They have no broad real-world experiences. I'm not talking about family. I'm talking about real-world experiences. They don't know how to create jobs. They know how to kill jobs because it's government-centric. That's their mentality. And then it's ideologically-centric. That's their mentality. Anyway, I'll be right back. Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Now, education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, and it continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide. Through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of Liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage and liberty that too often today is falsely derided and denied. Hillsdale's motto is, Pursuing Truth and Defending Liberty Since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I would tell my friend Thomas Lifson, and he is my friend over at the American Thinker and others, we know journalists, so many of them are unethical. That's the point. We know that they'll only keep confidences that they want to keep. They keep people anonymous that they want to keep anonymous. We know this. That's the point. So don't be surprised when they don't. That said, I've been in this business almost 20 years. I worked in the Reagan administration for eight years. I never once, not once, leaked anything to a newspaper or media outlet, ever. Let alone the New York Times and their ilk. Certainly not about the people around me. Now I could go further into this, I'm not going to. But it's a serious misunderstanding of one's role, 
of loyalty and character. Let me leave it at that. I used to be approached by the likes of a Brian Stelter, Oliver Darcy at CNN. I never sat down with them, never leaked anything to them. Years ago, when I worked for the Attorney General of the United States, they tried to penetrate the office of the Attorney General. We'll write a great story about you, as the Chief has said. I rejected all of it. How could I look myself in the mirror? Plus, I had good parents. They taught me to be a, you know, stand-up guy. You see, this isn't a game to me. I'm not positioning myself. This is deadly serious. This is the real world matters here. The real world matters here. It's hard enough to be a conservative on radio and TV. It's hard enough to be a conservative at a newspaper without people leaking against you. Just remember that. And I think many of you already know that. So don't be surprised when journalists lie or deceive or leak themselves. That's the problem, isn't it? Now, we were talking the other day, and I'm not going to play all this, about how many times in the last two and a half or three months we together, how many times I mentioned... uh, Tea Party, the need to push back, the need to have a movement, the need to organize. And there were so many times Mr. Producer couldn't, couldn't write them all down. Isn't that true, Rich? But he pulled some audio. I won't bore you with it. April 7th, April 21st, uh, April 27th, May 12th, May 26th, uh, June 16th, and many times in between. And my, my rallying call is we need to organize, we need to have a movement, that we will have a movement, that we need to take them on. Critical race theory, transgenderism, uh, the war against capitalism, uh, the war uh, for open borders, and so forth and so on. Now, you, those of you who listen to this program understand that. We keep a running tally of the program, four years' worth, on our website, marklevinshow.com, on the Daily Recap. That's probably where Media Matters and Media I go in order to pull their, their brilliant stunts. They're very hard-working, serious journalists, these people. They're on the payroll of the left. That's what they are. That's what they are. If you will, they're, they're sort of media brown shirts. Now repeat that, boys, so I can use it and send it to all my listeners. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Now, education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, and it continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide. Through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of Liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. 
This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage and liberty that too often today is falsely derided and denied. Hillsdale's motto is, Pursuing Truth and Defending Liberty Since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Don't ask him for middle ground. There is no middle ground. Talk with Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. This administration is negotiating with the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. To give them money, to lift sanctions, to breathe life back into that, that regime. And if they get intercontinental ballistic missiles with nuclear warheads, they're going to aim them at our own country. This is insanity. Absolute insanity. And they just elected, quote-unquote, a president in Iran... But we're really not in a position to question other elections at this point, are we, ladies and gentlemen? And the guy is considered the butcher, Iran's new president, Ibrahim Raisi. There's an excellent piece in the Tablet magazine, which is an excellent magazine, by Miriam Mimarsadetich. And I want to take a few minutes to walk you through this. This is the regime now that the Biden administration is going to help prop up. As the Biden administration gives every indication of removing most sanctions on the world's top state sponsor of terror in pursuit of its nuclear deal, that regime has produced a new president personally culpable and sanctioned by the United States for large-scale crimes against humanity. As the hand-picked 60-year-old Ibrahim Raisi is also likely to succeed the ailing Ali Khomeini, in other words, run the whole country as the supreme leader. His deeply disquieting record and mindset warrant close examination. So who is this guy, Racy? Has it been reported on any cable news program? Has it been reported on any network news program? Of course not. Racy became an Islamist ideologue as a teen studying in the seminary in Qom. After the revolution, when he was only 19 years old and lacking any university education, he was appointed as a prosecutor. Rising over the following four decades to fill the positions of Attorney General, Deputy Chief Justice, and most recently Chief Justice of Iran's theocratic dictatorship. Most notably, Racy was one of four members of a death committee responsible for the 1988 execution of thousands and thousands of Iranian prisoners of conscience in the space of a few months. The ideologically motivated mass executions constituted both a crime against humanity and genocide, a cleansing of religious infidels, according to international human rights expert Jeffrey Robertson. It was a massacre, he says, comparable with those at Srebrenica and Caton Forest. Razi would typically spend only a few minutes with each prisoner, some young children, asking them questions to test their allegiance to radical Islam. The prisoners, mostly leftist revolutionaries, who had helped bring the regime to power, typically refused to feign loyalty, even after prolonged and brutal torture, which in some cases was personally directed and overseen by Racy himself. 
It's estimated that a minimum of a few thousand and as many as 30,000 were killed by hanging or firing squad. The massacre is still shrouded in secrecy, with the regime continuing to deny information to the families of those murdered, including about the location of their loved ones' remains. What is known is the speed and efficiency of killing, with hangings using forklifts every half hour and the dumping of dead bodies in piles on trucks, a method and pace that traumatized the executioners themselves. Virgins were systematically raped before their execution to circumvent the Islamic prohibition on killing virgins and to prevent women and girls from reaching heaven. The executed were ordered to write their own names on their hands before they went to their death. Sounds very much like the Nazi regime, doesn't it? That's why I call it the Islamo-Nazi regime. The massacre is a trauma etched into the collective consciousness of all the Iranian people throughout the country and throughout the diaspora. At the time, Grand Ayatollah Hussein Ali Matazeri, who had been designated to succeed the revolutionary leader Khomeini, condemned the mass executions in an act of dissent. In response, Khomeini rescinded Matarezi's clerical rank, canceled his selection as the next supreme leader, and condemned him to house arrest. And in his place, Rose Racy. To this day, Racy is proud of his role as a dutiful mass killer. In 2017, he posted to his Telegram channel a video in which he justified the massacre, and in 2018 called it divine punishment and a proud achievement for the revolutionary regime. Why am I going through this? Because these are the people who Joe Biden's going to hand hundreds of billions of dollars to. During his tenure as Attorney General from 2014 to 2016, executions spiked significantly compared to previous years. And during his time as Judiciary Chief 2019 to 2021, the regime shot to death at least 1,500 peaceful protesters on the streets in more than 200 cities, and imprisoned, tortured, and executed countless more in the biggest act of state violence since the 1988 prison massacre. An ardent ideologue, Racy believes that state violence is not only justifiable, as autocrats autocrats typically do in their commitment to regime survival or national security, so-called, but that it's godly. It's not only justified, but exalted the Islamist theocracy's violence, by elevating it above all other violence on earth. And by the way, this he and they have in common with the Marxists. Because Marxism is really a perverse religion. That's what it is. Historian Leyden Baramond is an expert on the Iranian Revolution and documentarian of the Islamic Republic's four decades old commitment to killing off its political opponents, including her own father, a democratic dissident who was assassinated by the regime in Paris in 1991. She writes, Razi considers the Islamic regime to be the embodiment in this world of God's governance. Therefore, state institutions are sacred and holy, and by definition, unaccountable to the Iranian citizens. Again, like Marxism. Citizens vis-a-vis the Islamic government are like creatures facing their creator. They have no rights of their own. In this Racy is a faithful follower of the founder of the Islamic Republic, Ayatollah Khomeini. He is a proponent of Islamist totalitarianism. 
2019, and by the way, you never hear Omar or Talib or AOC or any of the Democrats of that ilk, the radical hard left Marxist Democrats, ever criticize the Iranian regime. We even have some Republicans, we even have some broadcasters who defend this regime. 2019, on the 40th anniversary when the Islamic Republic took 50 American hostages for 444 days, the United States sanctioned Raisi for his role on the Death Commission, as well as for the execution of children and the repression of human rights defenders in recent years and his capacity as Chief Justice, and for his role in the brutal crackdown on 2009 of the Green Movement protesters. The sanctions targeting Raisi were imposed as part of a set of sanctions on the Supreme Leader's inner circle. More sanctions were added later on the leadership's powerful foundations, which are the mafia state's primary mechanism for control of large swaths of the Iranian economy and illicit financing. These included one of the regime's largest, the Austin Quds Razavi Foundation, which is directed by Razi. This so-called foundation has aided the Syrian dictator Bashar al-Assad, making Razi complicit in crimes against humanity, not only in his own country, but in Syria. The Trump administration, which imposed these long, justified, and necessary sanctions, made clear that the sanctioned individuals and entities were designated because they had repressed and robbed the people of Iran. It cannot be overstated how profoundly this action impacted Iranians, who yearned for decades for an acknowledgement of the grotesque injustice inflicted upon their families and their loved ones. Over 30 years after the prison massacre, Iranians saw those most responsible for killing and torture, as well as for the confiscation of their personal and business assets, finally held accountable, if not in a court of law, even if not in their own country, and even if the culpable continued to wield power. Khamenei's elevation of Raisi to his right hand is meant to spite both the Iranian public and the United States. In recent years, Iranians have been more overt and more unified than ever in their struggle for a peaceful overthrow of the corrupt theocracy that has forfeited any semblance of popular consent to its rule. In response to the so-called election that ultimately brought Raisi to power with a supposed 50% of the vote the other day, they staged an unprecedented nationwide boycott. Empty polling stations were broadcast by satellite TV channels back into the country, an echo of the people's larger campaign of no to the Islamic Republic. I hope local police officers, including deputies in Loudoun County, are paying attention to what I'm reading here. Iranians see no prospect for reform of the rotting theocratic system that is crushing them, except for the wholesale removal. Throughout the Arab world, too, people living in the Islamic Republic's imperial domain are taking great risks to push back against the medieval cabal that is robbing them of dignity and a future in the name of God. The new president of Iran is a man as a bulwark against these courageous aspirations and a signal of ever-increasing determination to stifle and repress. And Khomeini knows the fury of the people in Iran and the region has been fueled in great part by the crippling sanctions imposed by President Trump, which President Biden may soon undo, but also by the administration's truth-telling about the brutality and corruption of the regime. Biden's appeasement 2.0 policy has already given the regime a new lifeline, with a selection of Rossi, 
Khomeini is puffing out his chest, showing that he knows that the United States has abdicated its own strong hand in favor of a losing one. The regime has studied and sought to shape the ideological underpinnings of the Obama-Biden outlook on the Middle East, a so-called realignment toward accommodation of a regime at any cost, and emboldened by the recognition that Biden, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, and Mali will stop at nothing to re-enter the nuclear deal. Khomeini feels unconstrained in choosing his potential successor and untroubled at making the American capitulation look even more desperate and devoid of morality. The regime uses its nuclear program as a means to extort the United States so it can survive. But as much as the Obama-Biden playbook may want to keep the regime in power as a counterbalance in the region, quote-unquote, a nonsensical phrase since the other side being balanced in this formulation would be the United States and its regional allies, the regime itself knows it is an irreparable, it is an irreparable legitimacy crisis no matter how much the United States accommodates it. So, Biden administration is breathing life back into this administration, uh, into this regime. But it knows with its monstrous network of patronage and corruption, it is incapable of addressing the compounding existential crises that have galvanized it, that downtrodden and whose name the revolution was originally waged. It knows that any measure of freedom and openness it may grant to the Iranian people will only be used to press for a wholesale regime change. Khomeini is a student of the Soviet Union and the KGB. He knows how glasnost and perestroika backfired. His regime's decay is undeniable, and the Iranian people's determination to fight him will only grow. But he's decided the only recourse is further brutality, to which he hopes to make the United States a de facto partner. Khomeini wants to put the United States in the debased position of not only lifting sanctions, but lifting them on a president who's committed crimes against humanity. He wants to terrorize the people of Iran further and show them that they have nowhere to appeal to and that the standard bearers of freedom and human rights prefer to send pallets of cash to mass murders than to support the legitimate and peaceful aspirations of ordinary Iranians. By doing so, he intends to fortify the culture of impunity he has created for his yes-men and himself. He wants to make the Iranian people lose their deep and abiding faith in the United States. Well, he doesn't have to do that. Joe Biden's doing it for him. That's Iran. You know what's going on in Afghanistan today? The Taliban are on the march. They're taking over the country. Now, I've been thinking about this a long time. Can you manage being a gold star family, Mr. Producer? Having lost one of your beautiful children in the war in Afghanistan over the past 18, 19 years? And it's come to this? That's an unimaginable pain. Unimaginable. People sacrifice their lives for their country. Something Black Lives Matter, Antifa. Most of these reporters in Washington and New York have never done and would never do. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. 
learning, character, faith, and freedom. Now, education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, and it continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide. Through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of Liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage and liberty that too often today is falsely derided and denied. Hillsdale's motto is, Pursuing Truth and Defending Liberty Since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. It is worth listening to this piece, though. This is from April 21, 2021. So this is uh, two months ago. Cut three, Mr. Producer, go. You know, you and I together, many of you, we helped launch the Tea Party movement. I don't take credit for anything, but it was very, very important. And in part, that was done as a result of liberty and tyranny. But it was simultaneous. I'm hoping we can do something similar here, because we're going to need to. We need to save our country. Our country's under attack from forces mostly within. And we better get this resolved or we're going to lose this country. We're going to lose our children in these classrooms, these indoctrination mills. They've already taken over our colleges and universities. They've already taken over our newsrooms. We need to get our act together. We need to have something to rally around. We need to have some ideas about what we're going to do about this. Cut four. Go. I want this to be the, the Thomas Paine moment. I want this to be the American crisis moment that I've talked to you about year after year after year. I want this to be the moment that we push back. And this, I think, is the book. This is going to be the way we do it. And I know many of you are very upset and very frustrated. I share your beliefs. I love All right, ladies and gentlemen, you get the gist. Many of you are really, really unbelievable. You've jumped in. You've pre-ordered American Marxism. The rest of you can do the same thing. Let's get ready, baby. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, Well, Mr. Producer has focused me on this took the time to prepare it. So let's just take a little listen. Let me reverse course a little bit. This is May 12th. That's one month ago. And Mr. Producer tells me there's tons more. It goes way back, but that's good enough. May 12th. Cut five, go. And once we hit 100,000 on the pre-orders, I really feel this will become a very, very powerful movement 
spontaneous from the bottom up. From the bottom up. And I hope this book contributes to the effort the way liberty and tyranny contributed to the Tea Party movement. From the bottom up. Not from Washington and Capitol Hill down, from the bottom up. And this is also what she, Liz Cheney, the Bushes and the others don't comprehend. They didn't like the Tea Party movement. Boehner attacked the Tea Party movement. It was attacked in the pages of the editorial pages of the Wall Street Journal. But who cares what they like? These are our children. These are our grandchildren. And this is our country. Who gives a damn what they like? And then finally for this evening, cut six, Mr. Producer. I was part of the Tea Party revolution. Not a witness, not a broadcaster, but part of it. When liberty and tyranny came out. I got behind that movement. I spoke at rallies for that movement. I helped create the Convention of States movement with the Liberty Amendments. It's a fantastic movement. I want us to keep pushing it. I believe 15 states or so have joined with very little money and so forth. From Liberty and Tyranny and the Tea Party movement to the Liberty Amendments and the Convention of States movement to the Reagan Revolution to the Tea Party movement, I've been an activist. Now, why does this matter? It matters, ladies and gentlemen, because we're in a point in our country now where we need to organize. You're getting people coming on TV and radio who are throwing ideas at you. I guess they're good. Some of them may be great, but they're not activists. They're commentators. Most of them haven't participated in any of these counter-revolutions to the rising Marxist movement in this country. Anyway, that's it. I want to show you part of the problem we have here, folks. I think it's significant. This is in the Associated Press by somebody named Matthew Daly or Daly. In break with Trump, House GOP forms group on climate change. You see, as I speak, the entire focus is on critical race theory. Okay, we need to be focused on critical race theory. But there are multiple, even myriad, Marxist movements, American Marxist movements that have been spawned from Marxism, and we cannot ignore the others. That's why this is so tough. But we'll continue to push this. And they write at the AP, Utah Representative John Curtis says he's tired of hearing that Republicans, his party colleagues, don't care about climate change or slowing global warming. A former Provo mayor who served in Congress since 2017, Curtis says Republicans can push for serious climate solutions while holding fast to conservative values. Now you know that's BS. The whole thing is BS. To prove the point, he has formed the Conservative Climate Caucus. That doesn't prove the point. It just proves that he can form a caucus. An all-GOP group aimed at educating fellow Republicans on climate change and advancing market-based policies to counter the Green New Deal and other Democratic proposals. Those who watch this caucus will see Republicans do care about this earth, deeply, Curtis said at a news conference. So he's bought into all the propaganda. We, too, want to leave this earth better than we found it. We don't need to kill the U.S. economy to reach our climate goals, climate goals. 
What could go wrong with that, ladies and gentlemen? In fact, he says it's just the opposite. There's a way to lower emissions without sacrificing American jobs and principles. And I believe Republicans are the ones to lead on this. Leading Republicans, most notably, and then they trash Trump. Peter Major of Michigan, another caucus member who voted for Trump's impeachment, by the way, said it's long past time for Republicans to acknowledge the reality of climate change and put forward solutions that reduce carbon emissions while remaining aligned with our business community. What? Climate caucus members are not going to be bringing snowballs on the House floor, Major said. We're bringing solutions. We're not using this as a cheap talking point. That was an attack on Senator Jim Imhoff in 2015, you see. So they're good at attacking fellow Republicans while claiming they're conservatives. Far too often, he said, our colleagues on the other side look at the environment as a cloak they can wrap around any policy. It's just another adjective in front of a nebulously defined justice that can encompass whatever their talking points want. And so you know how they're going to best them, ladies and gentlemen? By supporting the core ideology, but dressing it up with some, you know, so-called conservative arguments. You cannot close your eyes to this stuff. In fact, you can't even go to sleep and think this is behind us. It's not. It's not. There's an entire chapter in American Marxism on this. An entire chapter. Because while my friends, and many of them are my friends, with various media platforms, can apparently only focus on one subject at a time, Mr. Producer, we have to subject, focus on all of them. We the people. And they have to catch up, and that's okay. It's chapter 5. It's called Climate Change Fanaticism. It's over 50 pages in length. I deal with the science. I deal with the journalists, so-called, like Chuck Tuck. I deal with all the arguments, and then I explain where this came from. This came from. These Republicans don't even know where this came from. AOC knows where it came from. Bernie Sanders knows where it came from. They know. They know where these movements came from. This isn't an American-born movement, this climate change movement. It's another European movement, much like Marxism, exported to the United States. And it's not about a clean climate. For the most part, we have a clean climate. It's a war on capitalism. Why don't these so-called conservatives have a... What do they call this? They're called they're a climate change caucus? Why don't they have a free market capitalism caucus? We, we're running out of free market capitalism. We're not running out of big government centralized decision making. Climate change caucus. They call it the Conservative Climate Caucus. The cons- is the climate conservative, Mr. Purdue? They're even illiterate. Right, Mr. Call Screener? The Conservative Climate Caucus? Oh, so now the climate's conservative. Do these idiots even understand the title that they've applied here, the label? Conservative is modifying the word climate. 
a conservative climate caucus. Oh, I've always wanted a conservative climate. By the way, does that mean rain or snow or sunshine? What is a conservative climate? But I'm deadly serious about this. There's a war on capitalism. Now, why is there a war on capitalism? Look, there was a war on capitalism before there was critical race theory. Why did they pick capitalism? Because Marx picked capitalism. And so they had to come up with another way to attack it. And you're going to see in the book, your eyes are going to pop wide open where these, these so-called iconic scholars in the environmental movement, they don't even call themselves the environmental movement. They're more honest than these Republicans. This is what happens when you have people setting policies, passing laws, advocating for positions out of utter and complete ignorance. Whether it's Chuck Todd or whether it's this guy, the former Proval Utah mayor, we're tired of people not thinking we're for a clean environment. Well, then respond to that. Don't embrace it. Idiotic. Let's see here. Give me one second. We haven't talked about this, but we're going to talk about it a lot. Uh, Whether anybody else does or not is of no consequence to me. Capitalism has been explained in many ways by many brilliant scholars and philosophers. This is chapter 5. But a useful and concise definition, workable for the purposes of this chapter, is provided by an economist. This is a man I'm a great fan of. George Reisman, professor emeritus of economics at Pepperdine University. He's written the definitive book on capitalism. It's called Capitalism. It's a huge sort of research book, which I have on my shelf. And he explains in this book, economic activity and the development of economic institutions do not take place in a vacuum. They are profoundly influenced by the fundamental philosophical convictions that people hold. Specifically, the development of capitalist institutions and the elevation of the level of production to the standard it has reached over the last two centuries presuppose the acceptance of this worldly, pro-reason philosophy. In other words, economic activity is a result of People applying that economic activity, supporting that economic activity. Otherwise, it can't happen. And their essential development, the institutions of capitalism, and the economic progress that results represent the implementation of man's right to life. Economic growth, economic opportunity, the availability of food and medicine and technology. This is part of life. Sustaining and improving life. If you attack it, you're attacking life. That's his point. Economics is about life. What kind of a life do you want to live? Capitalism is the economic system that develops insofar as people are free to exercise their right to life and choose to exercise it. Its institutions represent, in effect, a self-expanded power of human reason to serve human life. That is ingenuity. Creativity, development, the growing abundance of goods that results is the material means by which people further fulfill and enjoy their lives. The philosophical requirements of capitalism are identical with the philosophical requirements of the recognition and implementation of a man's right to life. 
Private property rights. Why do you think the founders of this country were so committed to it? Because it represents the intellectual and physical labor that you apply during the course of your life. You've, you've worked for that private property. That's part of your life. Your home is part of your life. The acquisition of a home is part of your life. And it will determine in some ways your quality of life. So if somebody comes in and taxes you into oblivion, or somebody comes in and zones you out of ob- into oblivion, or somebody comes in and is redistributing your wealth that you created, they are attacking your liberty. They are attacking your life. Have you ever had this explained to you this way? Yes, by me over the course of many years. What these congressmen do not understand is that appeasement in the face of Marxism is a vice. That we expect them to stand up to this. Even without getting into the particulars of quote-unquote climate change, and I do that in the book, but apart from that. This isn't about that. These so-called solutions that Biden and the other hacks come up with have nothing to do with affecting the environment. They always involve taxation. They always involve redistribution of wealth. They always involve environmental justice, that is, racism. They always involve you sacrificing something, higher energy costs, limited use of energy, and on and on and on, for the good of the people, for the good of the environment. We need sustainable growth. That's about as elusive as the word equity. And of course we have sustainable growth. What, are we running out of the earth? As I've said before, we have no idea what the earth contains. I mean, we do from a scholarly intellectual point of view, but we don't really know what's down there. And down there is way, way down there. We're not even a mosquito on the surface of the earth. The mines that we have dug, the drills, uh, I mean, the, the drilling for oil and so forth, the exploration, it's not even a mosquito on the skin of the earth. It's nothing. It's not even surface level. It's so infinitesimal in terms of penetrating what the earth actually is. The earth is made up of elements. Now, either human beings try to use the elements on this place called earth that we're born into to improve their lives, to improve the lives of mankind, using the reason that God gave you. The experience, the capabilities that God gave you. You're not a slug. You're not a snail. You're not a worm. You're a human being. That you have the capacity to take what is, whether it's lumber, trees, whether it's cement, stone, whatever it is. And look what we've done. Microchips. Wow. Lasers, wow. Automobiles, wow. These are good things, not bad things. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Paula, Orlando, Florida on the Levin app. By the way, in Tampa, folks, you're going to start having to use the Levin app or just listen to the podcast. They've taken the station and they've eliminated talk radio. All right, go right ahead. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you, Mark? Thanks okay. for taking the call. You bet. I came here as a kid from uh, Indonesia. My husband came from Iran. His whole mm-hmm. family still there. Everything you say is correct. Um, my in-laws all live in Tehran, extremely oppressed. One thing you didn't mention about this most recent election was that uh, about 40 to 50 percent of the population actually boycotted the election because of this murderous thug that they've uh, put up for a choice. Mm-hmm. All I can say is that we need, as Americans, to really start thinking about what we're doing very seriously because the people of Iran have had 45 years to try to rid themselves of this Islamic terror that they're living under. I've got little sisters-in-laws and um, little nieces and nephews over there that are just living in repressive conditions. Obviously, the Democrat Party doesn't give a damn, and obviously Donald Trump did. It's that simple. And I'm very sorry to hear that. And I want to thank you for your call. We'll be right back. Yes, it's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. Actually, the second largest radio show in America behind Sean Hannity's show. That's the truth. New York and New York City, if you're a conservative, or if you're a Republican, or if you're just not one of the left-wing Democrat kooks, you apparently don't have many rights. There was something shocking I saw today, and any lawyer should be shocked by this, but of course most of the reprobates won't be. Here's the headline in the New York Post. Rudy Giuliani's law license suspended in New York over statements on voter fraud. What? Rudy Giuliani's law license was temporarily suspended on Thursday by a panel of New York judges 
who found he made, quote, false and misleading statements, unquote, related to voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. How about all those lawyers that were involved in the Russia collusion conspiracy, ladies and gentlemen? How many of them had their licenses suspended? Many of the members of Congress are lawyers. How many of them had their licenses suspended? None, not a one. So Rudy is being targeted. He's being targeted by the legal establishment in New York City. The ruling from the appeals court said there was uncontroverted evidence. Giuliani made false statements while he was acting as legal counsel for former President Donald Trump. So here you have the legal establishment, the political establishment, the media establishment, all of them. You are not allowed to question this election under any circumstances. After we went through all the bogus charges and criminal investigations and impeachments, you are not allowed to question this election. Let's pretend the election was perfect. You're not allowed to question it anyway. The Democrats question every election. These false statements were made to improperly bolster respondents' narrative that due to widespread voter fraud, victory in the 2020 United States presidential election was stolen from his client. We conclude the respondent's conduct immediately threatens the public interest and warrants interim suspension from the practice of law pending further proceedings before the Attorney Grievance Committee? Are you kidding me? Have you ever heard of anything like this? First of all, Donald Trump has no legal protections in New York City. If you're a lawyer for Donald Trump, as you've seen lawyers in the past, be prepared. Attorney-client privilege, attorney-work product, confidentiality, all out the window. Now, if you're a mass murderer or you're a mob figure or whatever, all those protections are in place. If you're a member of Black Lives Matter and Antifa, violent, all those protections are in place. This is so unbelievable to me. Giuliani told the New York Post, it is a complete invasion Of my First Amendment rights and my rights as an attorney, I'm allowed to have a client. President Trump is not allowed to have a lawyer. Of course it's a partisan hit. I didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing I said that a witness didn't tell me. We're getting to be like East Germany. And President Trump issued a statement blistering the court's decision. Can you believe that New York wants to strip Rudy Giuliani, a great American patriot, of his law license? Because he's been fighting what has already been proven to be a fraudulent election, Trump said. The greatest mayor in the history of New York City. The Elliot Ness of his generation. One of the greatest crime fighters our country has ever known. And this is what the radical left does to him? Giuliani 77, the article goes on, made a number of false allegations about voter fraud after Trump lost the presidential election. Including on radio programs and in other public statements, the five-judge panel rule. Look, that's not the job of this panel of judges. This is incredibly political. I read 90% of an article to you from the tablet about the Iranian regime. More and more, you're seeing the elements of tyranny, if not totalitarianism, slipping into our system. 
More and more you're seeing this now. And by the way, it only goes one way. You can beat the hell out of a cop. You can beat the hell out of a cop, but if you did it in Washington, D.C., Judge Royce Lambert wants to throw the book at you. Let me fix that. If you did it on Capitol Hill, Judge Royce Lambert wants to throw the book at you. If you did it in Lafayette Park, not so much. And of course, if you did it in Portland, Oregon, at the federal courthouse where judges like Lambert sit, well, then you get, you get a free pass. The jurists highlighted a number of examples when Giuliani leveled false claims about the number of absentee ballots counted in Pennsylvania after Biden had carried the state. I don't know, is Stacey Abrams a lawyer, Mr. Producer? Can you Google that and find out? I assume she's going to be have her license at least temporarily frozen as a result of the allegations she made about the election she lost. Respondent made these false... What is it? Well, why isn't she suspended? What about this lawyer Crump who's been promoted? He's made some outrageous statements in the course of his representation of some individuals. How come his his license isn't suspended? Because it depends who you are, that's all. He said, respondent made these false claims during his November 8, 2020 radio program. Radio program? They're monitoring a radio program? And Dr. Maria Ryan, during a November 25, 2020 meeting of the Republican State Senate Majority Policy Committee in Gettysburg, they're tracking down his statements, his radio appearances, episode of the Steve Bannon Show podcast, in a video Twitter, Giuliani's son Andrew is running for New York governor, said he was infuriated by the decision. He should be. This is disgusting. Where are the real lawyers in this country? Do they see what's taking place here? They don't care. Here's what happens. When the press dies, everything else dies. Because if we had a real press and they were focused on these judges and they were exposing what these judges were doing, the people would be furious. Instead, they cheerlead this. They celebrate it. They bring on Marxists. They bring on fascists. They bring on whatever on radio and TV and promote their agendas. Shouldn't any lawyer promoting critical race theory by this standard be suspended? We have a guy in the White House today lied his way through law school, lied his way through the Senate. Nobody suspended his license. More to the point, you have a you have a guy, Hunter Biden, who violated federal firearms law. Nothing happened to him. Nobody brought a case to Judge Royce Lambert and that. Nobody's throwing the book at Hunter Biden. People are disgusted with this. Don't they understand? You judges, you journalists, you damn lawyers, don't you understand? People have had it. They're fed up with you. Rudy Giuliani. His license is temporarily suspended because of things he said on a radio show. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. 
I'm speechless. I'll be right back. Mark in. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Let's go to our friend Cheryl, Irvine, California, the KRLA, the Great 870, where we're live and national. Cheryl, go right ahead. Thank you, Mark. It's wonderful to talk to you. And Cheryl is a law professor. We're going to run out of time. Go for it. Okay, so in that decision on Rudy Giuliani, what was so upsetting is that one of the things that they said was that um, the hallmark of our democracy is predicated on free and fair elections. False statements intended to foment a loss of um, confidence in our election, um, and it goes on, undermines the confidence in government and the functioning of a free society. And then the attorney general counsel said that uh, the misconduct directly inflamed tensions that bubbled over into the insurrection of January 6th. Well, obviously, that attorney general counsel never read the FBI report, the inspector general report. He never heard anything else that was said by the gentleman from Fort Bragg about, you know, the people who were paid activists who were. All right. All right. All right. Listen, here's, here's the thing people need to understand. This never happened to an attorney representing the mob. This never happened to an attorney representing the Weather Underground. This never happened to an attorney representing the Black Panthers. This never happened to an attorney representing the Klan. This has never happened to an attorney. It's not a matter of Rudy Giuliani inciting this or inciting that. He's been targeted. He's being destroyed. They want to ruin him. They want to ruin any of you who have any association with Trump, they've hated you from day one. This is why we have this whole white supremacy demagoguery and propaganda. They're talking about all of you, even Trump supporters who aren't white or who aren't Christian. It doesn't matter. They're painting with a broad brush. That's what's going on here. Thank you for your call, Cheryl. I appreciate it. Let's go to Esther, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Esther, go. Uh, when I first saw it on Google News, it was on CNN and MSNBC. Okay, let's speak and- in sentences here. When you first saw what? Rudy? What? When you first saw Not what? Rudy. I suspected that the... 
when I saw it on Google News, I said to myself, my gut said, I suspect this is not, he did nothing unethical, he did nothing illegal, this is political. But I wanted to wait for you to hear the full story. And I kept on checking Google News, and the New York Post did not come up. And then it disappeared. And that's when I said, uh-oh, this is a, this is a hit job. I don't even believe they suspended uh, Ted Kennedy's license, uh, certainly not for long after Chappaquiddick. Uh, anyway, this is, uh, this is mob rule by the radical left mob in New York and New York City. They want to indict Donald Trump and take him out. They want to destroy Rudy Giuliani and take him out. And they will do anything they can to do it. Newark has become a, uh, a, a third world. That's what's be- I'm not talking about the population. I'm talking about the politicians and how they rule. They've used the rule of law, they use um, their oversight powers to seek and destroy. And that's exactly what they're doing. And, uh, and I feel terrible for what Rudy Giuliani's going through. He and I haven't talked about this. It's not like we call up each other and have chit-chats all the time. But this is disgusting. Thank you for your call, Lester. I appreciate it. Steve, Buellton, California, XM Satellite. Go! An honor and a pleasure to speak with you, Mr. Levin. Uh, So far, I have bought two American Marxism books. I plan on buying more because I want to inform more of my friends what's really going on. Oh, no, Mark, you put out some great information. I bought Liberty and Tyranny also when it came out. I listened to your shows, the whole, straight across the board. But I was totally disgusted when I heard about Rudy Giuliani and... The other subjects you brought up with the chief of naval operations, I'm a retired Marine and retired police officer, and I just shake my head every day. It just doesn't – when I thought everything I was uh, just driven crazy by the thing, something else seems to come out. And you seem to bring it right to the surface, and I tell you, we're with you, Mark. And, yes, you are – this is the beginning of a movement that is – we're not going away. We're not going away. We you're are. very, very kind, Stephen. You're damn right. We're not going away, and we're not rolling over. Thank you, my brother. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. I'm glad you're with us still. Our number is 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Let's take some calls. What do you say, folks? Then I'll swing back into some of the stuff. But a lot of you have some very good points to make. And if my damn... Oh, there it is. There it is. Let's go to our friend Moses. I always try to go to Moses. Moses, North Bergen, New Jersey, the great WABC. How are you, sir? Mark, thanks for taking my call, my friend. Always a pleasure to speak with you. You too, buddy. 
All right. So, Mark, what I'm concerned about, especially with what I'm reading about and what you're analyzing and telling us about Rudy Giuliani, is what are the Republicans going to do, hopefully, when we take back the House and the Senate? Right, let's slow down a second. One. Let's slow down a second. What Republicans? You're talking about the legal system in New York City. We can't just say the Republicans need to do this. The Republicans, the Republicans have no power in New York City. Even if they did, I, I take your point, they wouldn't do much about it because they consider Rudy just out there and too controversial. This is a civil liberties issue, isn't it? This is the right of an individual to speak, to represent a client, to make a case. And you're going to suspend his license? I mean, Moses, honestly, how many prominent lawyers out there who've done things that we and you, listeners may disagree with, have had their licenses suspended? I mean, they used to drag this guy. What was that lawyer for the porn lady's name? What was his name? Somebody, Mr. Medusa? What? Avenatti. It wasn't until this guy was caught in fraud and was charged. He wasn't suspended when he went on TV and made these outrageous statements. Nobody even thought about suspending this guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we're not going to be able to get the Republicans, of which there are few in positions of authority in the legal community in New York City, to do anything. So what do we do? Because you've got to literally pick up and leave these places because they're so totalitarian. They're so hostile. Mm-hmm. And what should happen is the bar community throughout the country... The American Bar Association, the bar in every single state, should speak out and speak up, but they're not going to. The American Bar Association, look, I'm a lawyer. I resigned from that organization probably 40 years ago, 30 years ago, because they're all left. And this is the problem uh, Donald Trump's going to have if bogus charges are brought against him with this witch hunt that's going on, and he wants to file a complaint against the... uh, the hack lawyer who's involved, he has to file it with the, with the bar of New York City, connected to the uh, Supreme Court of the state. He's not going to get any justice with that bar. So this is, this is when you really know that tyranny is here. Tyranny is here. What they did to Rudy Giuliani and are doing to him is utterly unjustified. It's purely political. And unfortunately, there's no simple solution to this. Go ahead, Moses. Yep. And this right here, Mark, you know, like, because you're absolutely right. I don't disagree with you at all. But it's just an overall attack on everything that Mm -hmm. Donald Trump had had created, you know, like, and all of his associates around him. You know, because now what's going to happen is that any future president, whether it's a Republican, even members of the Senate, you have Adam Schiff releasing the phone records of Giuliani and Devin Nunes. By the way, uh, notice nobody's going after his bar membership and his license. Exactly. Or Eric Swalwell or any of the people. Notice nobody's going after his law license. Yep. And he actually uh, put up false evidence during the impeachment trial, confusing cavalry and uh, and cavalry. Well, he actually slept with a communist spy. Aside from that. (laughs) And I think it's important. And nobody's pursuing that. Nobody. What exactly took place? What exactly took place? You know, Moses, we don't know what took place. What, What? Did he give up any information? He says he didn't. Oh, okay. Case closed. It's shocking. Be able to get, he would not be able to get a security clearance in the private sector. You're right. 
So You're now exactly the question right. is, Mark, is what are Republicans, what are Republicans going to do day one when we, when we get back power, hopefully, against this machine that the Democrats have created to derail and sabotage any future Republican presidency? That's what my concern I, is. I just don't think McConnell's up to the job. He's been there a long time. I really don't. Moses, I want to thank you for your call. You're a great patriot, my friend. I've met Moses. He's a good man. The media. We have people in the media now, as I've been talking about for several days, and it's been picked up elsewhere. <laughs> we, we laugh at these things here. Has changed course, you see. Joy Reid, we spent time on her, but not, not just her. Barack Obama, we spent time on what he said a few days back. Critical race theory, oh, what's the big deal? You know, I teach about slavery and race. What, don't white people want to know about these things and Republicans want to know? That's not what it is. But um, Chuck Todd, who is stupid, so he doesn't have to pretend to be stupid, but he's a mouthpiece. He's a propagandist for the Democrat Party, his aligned Democrat Party. And the media act like they're not involved. What are you talking about? This is a Republican manufactured thing. In American Marxism, and I give credit to everybody who works so hard on these subjects. That's the way I am. That's by the way I was raised. It's a fellow by the name of Zach Goldberg. And there's over 400, almost 500 endnotes in this book, and he's one of them. He wrote, countless articles have been published, often under the guise of straight news reporting, in which journalists take for granted the legitimacy of novel theories about race and identity. Such articles illustrate a prevailing new political morality on questions of race and justice that has taken power at the New York Times and the Washington Post. A worldview sometimes abbreviated as wokeness that combines the sensibilities of highly educated, hyper-liberal white professionals with elements of black nationalism and academic critical race theory. And he goes on that for some Americans, all this is surely good news. For them, the rapid proliferation of articles employing the tropes of critical race theory to ascribe racial guilt in the American system represents a reckoning with white supremacy and inequality that is long overdue. There are many possible objections to this line of argument, and he discusses many of them. But he says in part, to start, there's the fact that dividing a diverse, multi-ethnic society into oppressed and oppressor, and I pointed this out myself, the basis of skin color has a matter of historical precedent more often led to sectarian bloodshed than enhanced justice and equity. What's more, the narratives promoting this new system of racial division are both factually fraudulent and deeply hostile to any attempts at factual correction. It says the media have joined the critical race activists, once dismissed as advocates for a radical and fringe movement. You paying attention, Chuck Todd, or is your attention span like that of a uh, cucumber? And the horrendous racism and demonization they represent and expose in enthusiastically advocating for their Marxist-centric transmutation of American society. I write that. And he goes on, and what he does is a statistical analysis. He looks at the amount of times various media outlets use the language of the Marxist left. And I provide that information to you in the book. It is astounding. 
It is astounding how CNN and MSNBC, CBS, ABC, NBC, the New York Times and the Washington Post, how they all now use the language of the critical race theoreticians. And I would go even further of the degrowthers and anti-capitalists and more. And it is astounding that they are the cheerleaders, they are the celebrants, they are the mouthpieces for these movements. And then when you call them, what do you mean? (laughs) This is ridiculous. You're accusing us of being Marxists? what What do you think? Well, what are you? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. David Friedman was the ambassador to Israel from the United States, a longtime lawyer for President Trump. How are you, sir? How are you, Mark? Great to hear your voice. Doing very, very well. Thank you. Uh, Before we get to your new book, uh, Surfside, this is an area you're very familiar with, the horrible tragedy there. Yes. What do you want to say to the people there? Well, look, I I, I live uh, just a few blocks away. I'm not there now, but... uh, I'm just up the road in Bell Harbor. Um, look, I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken. Just be, you know, I mean, all these tragedies are horrible. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's a hundred or or ten casualties. Or, but what really is the most horrifying about it is how life was snuffed out in a matter of seconds with no mm-hmm. warning. I mean, it's just so so heartbreaking. It's shocking and, looking you know, at those pictures. Ah, it's just, it's, you know, it's something that just doesn't happen. You know, it, mm-hmm. it should make all of us, make sure all of us be grateful with what we have, hug our, hug our children, our spouses a little bit tighter tonight. Um, it's, it's just shows just the fragility of life, and uh, my heart goes out to these poor people. Now, you were a lawyer to President Trump. Your father was a rabbi, a very large Orthodox synagogue. Ronald Reagan spoke at your father's synagogue. Briefly tell us about that. Well, you know, my father uh, was not a political person. He was a rabbi. He was a spiritual leader. And one day he got a call about two weeks before the uh, second uh, you know, presidential election of Ronald Reagan in 1984. And uh, the president asked if he could come speak at uh, my father's uh, synagogue uh, and, and come to his house. And it was, of course, uh, an incredibly uplifting moment. Uh, what I think about that day, I don't, you know, people can go on the uh, Reagan Library website 
and listened to the speech. It was in October of 84 at Temple Hillel. And I think it was one of the seminal moments when the Republican Party really moved closer to Israel. He said something then very moving, at least to me. And this was when, you know, Israel was at its low point in the United Nations. And he said, if Israel is ever voted out of the United Nations, the United States and Israel will walk out together hand in hand. And you know, it, was, it was just a, you know, it's something you don't hear in 1984. And um, I'll never forget it. Now, uh, tell the American people, the Abraham Accords, why they're so important and why they're so groundbreaking and the role that you and President Trump and others played in this. And, well, and by the way, the, that's, the na- that's the subject of the book. The book is called Sledgehammer, How Breaking with the Past Brought Peace to the Middle East. It's available right now on Amazon.com. Go ahead. Sorry. You know, the Middle East has been the, the focal point, the source, the wellspring of violent extremism, you know, for the better part of the last couple of generations. And what's happening here with the Abraham Accords is the moderate nations in the Middle East, beginning with, of course, our strongest ally, Israel, but extending to the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain and Sudan and Morocco, um, they are leading the world away from extremism. Um, uh, You know, we're fighting extremism everywhere. We have it in America. We have it in Israel. We have it in, in the Gulf. This is, um, this is the wellspring of extremism turning on its head and trying to lead the world out of this, uh, this, this, this horrible conflict with radicalism. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, this kind of radicalism has been exported to American shores, you know, for, for years and years and years. And, and here's an opportunity for, for the entire world to see this change, how people of good faith who've been rivals and enemies for thousands of years can reconcile. They can take the opportunities, you know, available for their children and and raise them in, above the grievances of their grandparents. I mean, it's just something beautiful to see. It's uplifting. It, it ends, to a large extent, Israel's isolation. It makes Israel stronger. It makes Iran weaker, we hope, if we don't blow this with uh, the current administration. It, it really creates this massive opportunity for the Middle East uh, to change, to change, you know, 180 degrees because of this opportunity, and and it was you know the president's uh, the principle of peace through strength. The president, you know, had a strong foreign policy where we stood with our allies, we stood with Israel on Jerusalem, on the Golan Heights, on the rights of the Jewish people to live in their biblical homeland. We stood with Israel. We 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 put out a peace plan where Israel showed a willingness to live side by side with the Palestinians. We brought in the Gulf nations as a result of that, and we made peace all because. We were strong uh, with our allies, and we were strong against our enemies. We put maximum pressure on Iran. We weakened them like never before. And, and with, with, with that kind of a policy, people wanted to be in that circle of trust with Israel, the United States, and now expanded to the Arab world. The book is Sledgehammer. Why did you call it Sledgehammer? Tell everybody. Well, you know, there's two reasons. Number one, you know, I was at... Uh, uh, a beautiful ceremony at the city of David where we needed to use a sledgehammer ceremonially to open a wall to this great archaeological uh, excavation. And the New York Times freaked out and, and uh, assigned to me that name sledgehammer because uh, as if I were somehow um, uh, doing damage to foreign policy. But the more the, the subtext, though, is, is more important, which is that when I uh, came to office, when, the, when all of us in the Trump administration came to the office, the relationship between the United States and Israel was just fundamentally broken. It was broken in the sense 
of a, of a broken bone that had healed without medical supervision. It was just unrepairable. And so the only way to really heal that is to break it, is to break the bone and reset it and start anew. And so we really had to take a sledgehammer to the, uh, the old U.S.-Israel policies. We did that, and we did that, and people anticipated an explosion of violence. What we ended up with was an explosion of peace. And what, what was the key here? The key was reaching out to moderate Gulf Arab states, among other Muslim countries, rather than obsessing over the Palestinians, correct? Certainly not to obsess over the Palestinians. Second of all, by standing strongly with Israel, I think we made Israel uh, a a more attractive partner. I think we sent a signal to the world, uh, especially to the region. Israel's not going away. We're always going to be with Israel. Israel is the strongest country in the region. It has the the most advanced economy, the most advanced technology. Who wouldn't want to be partners with Israel if you are a if you are a law-abiding country... If well, you the Biden administration, for one. Yeah, yeah, that's what, but unfortunately we didn't have to deal with that when we were right. in office. But, you know, it, it, it made all the sense in the world to stand with Israel and then to say to other countries, come into this circle of peace. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a secure place. It's a place where there's prosperity, there's opportunity, there's hope. And it made a lot of sense. And once the Emirates jumped in, of course, and people saw that how it was received, uh, other countries... Uh, jumped in as well. And by the way, uh, even in the new administration, notwithstanding the lack of uh, nurturing from the government, these agreements are uh, are moving ahead on their own uh, because the people of the countries want it, because this is incredibly popular. The, the tourism, you know, the planes are booked solid back and forth between Israel and all these countries. And um, I think it's something bigger, uh, bigger than any of us, bigger than any government. It's, uh, it's something that's really been embraced. And, and I think it can change the Middle East for the next hundred years. The book is Sledgehammer, How Breaking with the Past Brought Peace to the Middle East. You can pre-order your copy immediately on Amazon.com, and I encourage you to go there. Sledgehammer, How Breaking with the Past Brought Peace to the Middle East. And my own opinion is, you ought to take a look at this, because what's happening now with the Biden administration, unraveling what was in place, even when it comes to the Golan Heights, it's very, very frightening. Ambassador Friedman, we wish you all the best, and... Congratulations on your excellent book, sir. Thank you, Mark. It's, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Blasting conservative fire. 
The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Ladies and gentlemen, all Levinites, it's time for a surge. They're trying to raise money right there in the community where this horrific building collapsed. There are about 99 missing people that they're trying to track down. The search dogs are out. They have electrical equipment, other technologies. They're trying to get under the rubble. This looks like the third world, that building, the way it collapsed. And these people need our support. And I have found a local charity right there. It is the local synagogue, the local shul of Bow Harbor. And they've created a fund to help directly assist the victims and their families. It's not some far-off fund in some major city. It's right there in the neighborhood. No middlemen. Right there in the neighborhood. Now, I've posted the link on Parler. At Mark Levin Show Parlor. But I want to read it out as best I can as well. It's the chessedfund.com. That's the, it's all one word, C H E S E D fund.com. The C H E S E D fund.com. They're trying to raise a million dollars. They raised about 300 and some thousand dollars. We've done this before. We don't do it often. But this is now a Levin surge. We have to help our fellow Americans. You've seen that video. You've seen what took place. That can happen to anybody. Anybody. So this is intended to help the victims as well as their families directly in the community. Through the synagogue. It's a large synagogue with a big community there, which includes this particular complex, the Shula Bar Harbor. It's the Chabad. It's right there to help the people. And they're asking for help, and they know what they need. Now, I have tapped this link. I have placed it on uh, my parlor site. They're trying to raise a million dollars. So far, 2,662 people, they've raised a little over $307,000. Let's, the Levinites, all of us, 5 bucks, 10 bucks, 25, 50, whatever you can afford, any wealthy people listening to me out there, let's help them. They need our help now. The Miami Dade fire rescue officials said more than 80 units responded to the collapse at the condominium building. Um, so it's a terrible, terrible thing. The police chaplain, Rabbi Mark Rosenberg, he's at the scene, as well as other uh, faith leaders. And we're not uh, without the ability to do something. To help. And so what I, I, I want to encourage you, each of you, I'm going to do the same thing. I wouldn't have you do anything that I won't do. It's called the Miami Tragedy Central Emergency Fund, the Chesed Fund, C-H-E-S-E-D, thechesedfund.com. I think that's the best way to get there. 
the C-H-E-S-E-D fund.com. You can always find me on Parlor. We link to it there. You know, we had that brutal mass murder in Las Vegas. You and I, all of us, we were under the radar. They were trying to raise, as I recall, Mr. Producer, a few million dollars. You remember that? I think we helped them raise almost $10 million. And they didn't even know it was us. We don't want a pat on the head. We don't want a pat on the back. We just want to help our fellow Americans. Because that's what we do in this country. Despite the media, despite the rioters and the violent people, despite what professors say, despite what anybody says about us, we want to help. And so again, uh, anytime after this program's over, you can go to the site yourself, go to at Mark Levin Show Parlor, or go directly to the site, the, it's all one word, C-H-E-S-E-D fund.com. I'll be watching this, monitoring this throughout the night, making our donations. I just pray that you'll all jump in and help out here, because these people need our help, and they need it now, and they need it badly. And I want to thank you in advance, because this is the most patriotic, red-blooded, smart, pro-American audience of any audience on the face of the earth. It's so true. A lot going on here tonight, particularly in this hour. The charity we talked about. The ambassador in his book, Sledgehammer. That's on Amazon. And while you're on Amazon... I hope you'll jump in and get your pre-order copies of American Marxism as fast as possible. The clock is ticking. Today is what, the 24th, Mr. Producer? Something like that? We're less than three weeks away now, folks. I'm chomping at the bit. I know many of you are chomping at the bit, too. Less than three weeks away. And what's happening now is the crescendo building up to the release of this book. You've never seen so many hosts and so many stories on critical race theory. Have you, Mr. Producer? It's wall to wall. (laughs) Suddenly, people have awakened to it in the media. It's wall to wall. Wonder how that happened. And we have the great parents and taxpayers, patriots at the local level, Loudoun County and New York, all over the country. And we're going to come in, give air cover, our political infantry, political air cover, and we're going to break this wide open. We're going to break it wide open. There's too much racism and injustice taking place by those who claim racism and injustice. It's called pushback. And if the media and these front groups, these Marxist totalitarian front groups like Media Matters and others, they think they're going to dissuade us, they don't have any idea who they're dealing with. Not in my audience and not with me. They have no idea. Their attacks fuel us. It's like Papa eating spinach. I suppose it's like Hunter Biden on Coke, Mr. Producer, but I don't know. I never did it. My point is, 
we become exuberant. We become emboldened. The more they attack me, the more they attack us. Because we know, when they do such things, that they're scared. That they're not sure what to do. So they run to their social media. And they put out lies and headlines and try and rally their reprobates, miscreants and malcontents to a cause that really almost doesn't even exist. So they're not going to stop us. They're not going to stop me. We'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Kamala Harris is headed to the border, but not to the right border. She's headed to the border. Kamala Harris is going to El Paso, Texas, which is 800 miles from the illegal immigration epicenter. And that's according to Henry Cuellar, whose district is in the epicenter. And he's the one saying, why is she going over to McAllen or El Paso, Texas, rather? She should be coming here. But she isn't coming here. Now we know why. We know why. She might as well go to Dallas, Texas. She might as well go to Houston. She might as well go to Waco. She might as well go to Laredo. Now she can say she's going to the border. But she's not going to where the problems are. Is this some kind of game? What is this? Is this some kind of game? What is this? They have unleashed holy hell on the southern border. People are suffering. That's why she doesn't want you to see it. The border is not secure. It's purposely unsecure. That's why she doesn't want you to see it. She doesn't want you to see illegal aliens being brought across the river by God knows who while she's standing there. She doesn't want you to see what you see when you watch TV. So they've scripted this all out. That's number one. Now, why did she pick Friday? Because Trump announced that he's going to the border and he's going to be there with Governor Abbott next Wednesday. That's why. 
So it's all about play acting. It's all about drama. It's all about narratives and positioning. It's not about the truth. Because they're a disaster. What they've done is a disaster. So of course she's not going to do that. But she should. But she won't. And the media won't give a damn as they don't give a damn about anything. In my humble opinion. At least that's the way I see it. We have any callers? I'm trying to bring callers in today so they have an opportunity to speak. Let's see what we have. We have David, Syracuse, New York, XM Satellite. David, go right ahead, please. Mark, long-time listener, thank you so much for taking my call. You got it. Uh, listen, listen. Um, uh, first and foremost, uh, my thoughts and prayers uh, with the people of Miami. That's a hard time. Mm-hmm. Uh, unacceptable in a first-world country. But uh, uh, listen, uh, I'm, I'm following up with Ambassador Friedman's conversation um, previously. I think uh, I, I agree with them 100%. I think two things are going to happen. Uh, either President Biden... Uh, makes peace in the Middle East, which I don't think he can do. All right, that's um, not going to happen. What's your I, second I, point? I, you know, uh, obviously President Trump had a better, um, you know, better conversation with them. And, you know, and, and, the, and the second concept is uh, we, we become best friends with China. And, All right, thanks uh, you for know, your call. Can... You sound like a moron, no offense. We become best friends with China? Is he living on another planet, Mr. Producer? Maybe I misunderstood him. No, but that's not what it says here. Befriend China or have peace. I don't know where that was going. I do want to say this. Do you ever read the fine print that appears when you start browsing incognito mode, Mr. Producer? Do you have your VPN yet? I know, Rich. Do you have your VPN yet? All right, good. About damn time. It's about time he does... Here's one. Dozens of companies urged the Senate to pass law nationalizing U.S. elections. They want to override abusive state laws. Now, these companies have become appendages of the Democrat Party. They just figured, I know we don't care about capitalism. We just need to be protected. We just need to be protected. Dozens of companies signed a letter urging the Democrat-led Senate to pass the radical left's measure, and of course it was defeated, 50-50, Designed to nationalize U.S. elections. The For the People Act. Isn't it amazing what they title these things? For the People Act. What people? For the Democrats Act. So there's a whole bunch of them that signed this letter. And we're going to need to deal with this too, I'm afraid, ladies and gentlemen. That is how the corporate world undermines our our values and our principles, too, by working with the Democrat Party. I think it's hugely problematic. It is hugely problematic. Now, these corporations, they're not going to be defended by the Democrats, the AOCs and so forth, but they, they figure that they can, they can lobby, make certain donations, do whatever they have to do, unfortunately. These are corporatists, not all corporations, obviously, but the people who sign this, they're corporatists. They're not capitalists. 
at least not in my opinion. Before we end the show, which is soon, I wanted you to hear from Michael Eric Dyson on, MB- on MSNBC today about critical race theory. This guy is one of the worst. Cut 20, Mr. Producer, go. And all critical race theory is saying as a theory of law is that it's not about individual acts of bigotry or bias or racism. It is a systemic and institutional network that must be somehow discerned and dismantled. And what they're saying is, let's not point the finger at individual white brothers and sisters and say, aha, we caught you. Right. Let's just point at all white brothers and sisters because they're white. That's what they're saying. Let's not point at individual cases where we can actually prove it. No, 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 no. Let's just point at everybody. All right, more on that tomorrow. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Thanks for being here, folks. God bless each and every one of you, and I'll see you tomorrow.